Welcome to the Global Elections Podcast. I'm Jason Manchester. Russia's transition first towards and then away from democracy over the last 25 years is the most important example that we have of the failure of a liberal democracy. Russia does not have fair elections or a free press, but for a brief period, it did. On Sunday, September 18th, Russia went to the polls for the seventh convocation of its legislature, the State Duma, which is to say that this is the seventh election since the end of the one-party state that was the Soviet Union. There are four main parties competing for seats, all of which, and this is out in the open, support the leadership of President Vladimir Putin. These four political parties crowd out the actual opposition parties, pushing them below the threshold required for entry into the legislature, leaving a Duma that acts as a rubber stamp on the executive while providing the semblance of democratic representation. How did it get this way, and where will it go? Today, we'll look at the history, the parties, and this current election in context. In just a second. Western observers often blame Vladimir Putin for the state of Russian democracy. But the problems that we're about to talk about go back much further. After the fall of the Soviet Union, Russia was in turmoil. Privatization had made poverty and uncertainty a way of life for most Russians. In this space, communists dominated the legislature of Russia, and they began to stymie the plans of President Boris Yeltsin and his cabinet as they tried to move Russia towards a market economy. Yeltsin had a problem. The fact was that while he was personally popular, he didn't have enough support in the legislature to push through his agenda. The anti-reform communist deputies were able to override the presidency, and in this way they could overrule the reforms proposed by Yeltsin and continue to prevent the marketization of the Russian economy and the sale of state assets. This impasse led to a political crisis when Yeltsin tried to dissolve the legislature to call early elections, which he was not legally entitled to do. The legislature in turn impeached the president. The crisis boiled over when Yeltsin called in the army to resolve the conflict by force. The Communist Party refused to leave the building and called in its own support in the form of street protesters. The fighting lasted 10 days with street battles in Moscow that killed at least 184 people. But with the military on his side, Yeltsin was always going to be the winner. On the 4th of October 1993, troops encircled the legislature and began firing on it. The army closed both the building and the institution, and the president ran the country alone for several months. After defeating the parliament with violence, he defeated it constitutionally as well, dissolving the body and calling for new elections. Yeltsin and his team rewrote the Russian constitution to create a super-presidential system, effectively neutering the legislative branch, allowing the president to name the prime minister, dissolve the Duma, and veto legislation. This constitution, with some minor arrangements, remains in place today. The next election saw a significant decline in the fortunes of the Communist Party, and Yeltsin was able to move his agenda through the Duma. The president was re-elected in 1995 in elections that may have been less than fair, but he was, however, unable to finish his second term. It wasn't clear whether it was his health, his winning popularity, or corruption charges which disappeared shortly after his departure. He left politics early, handing the reins to Vladimir Putin a few months before the presidential election. 
Putin's leadership of Russia since then has led to an overall decline of political choice and political participation, and this is tied closely with a reduction in press freedom and in political rights. Every election from 1995 saw a decline in the number of political parties that were allowed to participate, and along with that, a decline in the number of parties with seats in the legislature. The 1995 election saw about 70 political parties, clustered into about eight parliamentary groups contesting the election. In 2003, it was 24 parties. The last legislative election in 2011 had just seven parties that were allowed to participate, and of those seven, only four won seats in Parliament. And those four had one thing in common. They were all supportive of the presidency of Vladimir Putin. Since 2000, when Putin became president, political parties in Russia have come to represent less an opposition to the presidency and more an extension of it. The parties that once vigorously opposed the president now speak openly of their support for his policies, although they do break ranks from time to time. There are four main parties who are still capable of winning seats in the Duma. The most powerful group is United Russia, a party that was created to support Putin. It can be viewed as a party of power, but it leans conservative. It has dominated the state Duma since 2003. The party called Fair Russia was created as a social democratic spin-off to the conservative United Russia. As such, it supports President Putin. The Liberal Democratic Party, or LDP, is Russia's perennial third party. It is a nativist, populist party led by Russia's answer to Donald Trump. It is neither liberal nor democratic. It promotes Russian ethnic nationalism and supports the idea of a Russian imperial reconquest of the countries of the former Soviet Union. The LDP's support comes from younger Russian and skews more male than female. The fourth party is the Communist Party of Russia, whose supporters fought the Russian army in the streets to defend the legislature in 1993. In every presidential election since 93, the communists have come in second, and since the formation of United Russia, they have come in second in every legislative election. They are still popular in Russia, although their voter base is older, more rural, and tends to be made up of unskilled workers. It's important to underline that they are not the original Communist Party. Rather, they are a group that was cobbled together from the fragmented communist movement in 1993. They were not, their critics claim, the largest or the best organized Communist Party, but they were, however, the only one that was left political space by the president. Both the LDP and the Communist Party were strong opponents of Yeltsin, but have slowly come under the wing of the president. Both support Putin in his policies and serve as a loyal opposition to the executive branch. In sum, there is no opposition to the presidency within the Duma. In a way, it's similar to a parliament within an absolutist monarchy. Everyone supports the king, and they all hate each other. The system itself is interesting in that it gives voters a political choice, but you would find it hard to vote for change. Even within this limited choice, you may ask, are the elections fair? And it's complicated. In one sense, Vladimir Putin is remarkably popular. He is credited by many with reducing the chaos that characterized the life of working-class Russians in the decade after the fall of the Soviet Union. Most observers agree he would likely win an election if it were fair, and United Russia is so closely associated with his brand that it's not at all clear that it would not be successful as well. This popularity, though, may be a function of the strong control of the media. State control of private media makes accurate coverage of politics nearly impossible and election observers consistently note that media mentions of United Russia are far more positive and far more common than all other parties combined. Add to that that criticism of Putin's hold on power is flat-out dangerous. Since the beginning of Putin's presidency, 135 journalists have been killed. For comparison, the United States, which has a murder rate which is about half of Russia's, has seen five killed over that same period. Moreover, prominent dissidents have been killed or jailed or have fled the country, 
where they have been pursued and sometimes assassinated. I wouldn't, however, want to give the impression that there is an outright vote fraud in some cases. While it's hard to prove, there are some funny examples of some clear irregularities in Russian elections. In this past election, the governor of Chechnya, Ramzan Kadyrov, who has been accused of multiple human rights violations, was reported to have won with a staggering 98.1% of the vote, which is pretty impressive. In the Moscow district where Sergei Matryoshkin, the leader of the liberal opposition party Yablika, lives, it was found that not a single vote was counted for him. When he complained about voter fraud, saying that he did, in fact, vote for himself, the election commission did a recount, and they gave him 16 votes. In 2008, 36 towns and rural districts, mostly in the republics of Bashkortostan, Tatarstan, and Tiva, had a voter turnout higher than 99%, which is not impossible, but it is unlikely in a country where voter turnout doesn't often break 65%. From this perspective, it's hard to determine how the Russian public would react if the press were free and elections were held fairly. It is undeniable, however, that Putin remains popular both in the public and with a broad swathe of the political elite. So let's talk about the past election. You won't be surprised to learn that it was a huge victory for the Kremlin. At this point, it's unlikely to see any strong movement for any opposition party that doesn't support the president. That said, there are two important facts. First off, Putin's main party, United Russia, won big. The three other parties of the loyal opposition all lost both in vote share and in seats. United Russia won with 54% of the vote, and with that took 343 of the state Duma's 450 seats. The loyal opposition, even though they lost by a considerable margin, and they now hold less than 25% of the seats, has maintained roughly the same share between them. The communists and the LDP are now tied with 35 and 34 seats, and Fair Russia now has 16. The second point is turnout. Turnout for this election was 47% which is by far the lowest turnout for a Russian election since the fall of the Soviet Union. The average Russian election is just below 60%. We should also note that there's evidence in some constituencies of ballot stuffing, which could bring down the total number of valid votes nationwide. The Elections Commission has already annulled the results in nine electoral districts for evidence of vote fraud. Two exit polls were conducted, which showed United Russia received roughly 45% of the vote, which may be a more accurate judge of the popularity of the party. 45% would easily guarantee them control of the Duma. In closing, we'll share one small but important story. In 2008, Putin stepped down to become a member of the legislature. He was term-limited under Russia's constitution. He could not legally run for president for a third time. But at the time, United Russia had 70% of the seats in the Duma, and Putin, at this point, was very much in control of the levers of state. It was clear to all that he could have easily, like so many dictators, ordered the constitution changed to eliminate term limits. Instead, he adhered to the constitution, stepping down for a term before rerunning as president where we find him now. He hasn't said whether he will be stepping down to run as prime minister again, but with his enormous majority, he could change the constitution easily. We will find out in 2022 when his next two terms are up. I go hard like Vladimir Putin, go hard like Vladimir Putin, I go hard like Vladimir Putin, go hard like Vladimir Putin, I go hard like Vladimir Putin, go hard like Vladimir Putin, I go hard like Vladimir Putin, go hard like Vladimir The Global Elections Podcast is produced at the James Street Studios in Ottawa, Ontario by me, Jason Manchester. Vladimir Putin.
Thanks to Daniel Treisman of UCLA for his study on the Russian party system. You can find the Global Elections Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can get a hold of me on Twitter at @jkmanchester, and you can follow us at facebook.com backslash global elections podcast. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes and Stitcher if you like the show. Consider it a mitzvah. Thanks for listening. Putin. I go hard like Vladimir Putin. I go hard like Vladimir Putin.